Hello, my name is Ed Frawley. Today we're going to talk about the groundwork to becoming your puppy's pack leader. Recently, I wrote an article that was titled The Groundwork to Becoming a Pack Leader. That article has been well read, but over time it became very obvious to me that I should have written two articles, one for adult dogs and one for puppies. This podcast is about an article that will address the groundwork that should be done with puppies. It's how we raise puppies in our home. When people bring an eight-week-old puppy home, their first concerns are, what should I feed my puppy? And how do I stop it from peeing on the floor? These are important and credible concerns, but equally important and often ignored is how to establish yourself as your new puppy's pack leader. The average dog owner does not have a clue about how strong the genes are that control the puppy's temperament, his personality, and his drives. Puppies that don't have a solid pack structure grow up to become dominant and obnoxious dogs. This podcast is going to explain how We raise our puppies and how we set up our pack structure in our home. I've owned and trained dogs for 45 years. I've bred over 350 litters of German Shepherds since 1978. Cindy has owned dogs her entire life and done serious competition training since 1984. I only tell you these things so you can see that we have a lot of experience and expertise in this area. God knows there are enough people out there with little or no experience who will also be offering you advice on this subject. I want to talk a little about pack structure. Dogs are pack animals, just like wolves are pack animals. They're predators. Horses and cows, on the other hand, are herd animals, and as such, they're prey animals. Predators live by one set of genetic rules. Prey animals live by a completely different set of genetic rules. Pack animals live in family packs which have a pack leader and lower-ranking pack members. Dog packs, like wolf packs, are not a democracy. A pack is organized into a hierarchy of rank. Simply put, this means every member of the pack knows exactly what its rank is within the family pack. Pack animals genetically understand this concept. This concept is the reason people have dog fights when they add new dogs into a home that already has other dogs. When a new dog is added into one of these homes that has dogs, every dog in the home has to reestablish his new pecking order within the family pack, and that's how fight starts. So where do you begin with pack structure? When a puppy is raised with littermates, they begin to establish their family pack at about four and a half weeks of age. They start by playing with one another. They bite and push each other around. Those puppies that bite the hardest and push the most become the higher-ranking pack members of the litter. Now, with that said, there's no question that the mother is the pack leader. A good mother will exert her leadership by warning puppies to stay away from her food bowl while she's eating. A good mother protects her litter, which demonstrates leadership. 
and she also controls the litter in subtle ways that establishes herself as a pack leader. Now, let's talk a little bit about being a pack leader. When people get puppies, they need to establish themselves as the new pack leader. To do this correctly, they should first understand exactly what a pack leader is. Pack leaders are aloof. They're calm, and they're very self-confident. A pack leader is fair in how he lives with pack members, and while he's a dictator, he's a fair dictator who enforces a well-defined set of rules that members in the pack know and understand, and they are expected to live by these rules. What a pack leader is not is a dictator who loses his temper, bullies pack members into compliance, and does not act in a fair manner in regard to how he lives with other pack members. For example, the leader always eats first. Lower ranking members don't get the choice food. But when the leader's finished eating, he turns the food over to the other pack members. He doesn't come back and drive them away from the food. People who put food down and then take it away or push the dogs away from the food bowl or put their hands in the food bowl are bullies. This is how their dogs view them, as a big bully. These pet owners are not practicing fair leadership principles. The correct way to feed your dog is to make the dog do something before you put the food down. Make him sit, make him lay down, whatever. Make him do something. It doesn't matter. But once the food is down... Leave it alone until it's time to pick it up. In our home, we leave food down for 15 minutes, and then we pick it up. If the dog hasn't eaten it, he doesn't eat that day. He'll be hungry the next day, and I'll guarantee you he'll eat tomorrow. Now, back to being a pack leader. It's easy to bully your way into a leadership position. People, mostly men, do this all the time. The problem is is that being a bully destroys the relationship with your dogs. I want my pack members to trust me, to feel relaxed around me, and be comfortable in my presence. The only way this is done, and the only way this can happen, is if they know the rules and anticipate our expectations. When that happens, they know they'll be treated fairly. They also know that if they ignore the rules that I've set down, they're going to suffer the consequences. This leadership relationship is a learned endeavor. It's learned through the day-to-day experiences your dog has in living with his owner. This day-to-day relationship is how you establish and how you enforce rules. Rules are also learned from formal obedience training. But with that said, I tell people that Every year, hundreds of thousands of dogs go through obedience classes, and the vast majority of dominant dogs come out of these classes just as dominant as when they went into the class. And the reason is, is that the instructors don't teach people how to be pack leaders. The instructors don't teach pack structure, and that's how problems start. When puppies grow up, To become dominant and aggressive dogs, they always live with people who don't establish the correct family pack structure from the beginning, but it's never too late to start. When a puppy comes into our home, its only experience in life has been with its mother and its litter mates. 
it sees that things have changed in its life, but it has no reason to believe that how it interacts with its family pack has changed. Its life may have changed, but how it interacts with its family pack has not changed because that's all it knows. It takes a few days, but once a puppy accepts you and your family as its new pack, most puppies are going to try and interact with you and your family the same way it did with its littermates, by biting and chewing. The fact is, in its own small way, it's trying to find its rank within its new pecking order of your family. It's your job to teach your puppy, without scaring it, that you are the new pack leader, and biting and chewing higher-ranking human pack members is unacceptable. Therein lies the rub, though. Many people ignore these small challenges, and others overreact to them and use way too much force. Those who ignore this behavior can end up with dominant dogs. Those who overreact with too much force in correcting the biting can end up with shy dogs that never really recover from the force. When we bring a puppy into our home, we always use a dog crate. Those who don't use a crate are making a mistake. Those who won't use a crate should stop listening to this podcast because they're wasting their time and shouldn't go on any further. So when we bring a puppy into our home, our first goal is to reduce the possibility of house training mistakes and to teach the puppy that being wild in the house isn't going to happen in our house. So in the beginning, most of our interaction with our new puppy is done outside. We use a flat collar with a snap buckle on it. We also use one of the 20-foot cotton lines that we sell. When the puppies run around, they learn to drag a line. When they come in the house, they also are on line. While this is not a house training article, I want to make the point that teaching a puppy to pee and poop when it's online is a very smart thing to do. You will find out how smart it is if you ever have to travel with your dog. When we begin to bring the pup into the house, we never allow it to run around the house. We always have it on a leash. What better way to establish our leadership than to control every aspect of the puppy's life? Trust me, this does not fall on deaf ears. Those people who allow puppies to run around untethered are only asking for problems, which are going to come. It's not a matter of if they come, it is only a matter of when they will come. These puppies are going to get into things. They're going to pee on the floor. It takes them about three seconds to squat and pee. Or they're going to jump up and play bite. When we're tired of dealing with our puppy when it's on a leash, we put it in a dog crate. In the beginning, it's going to scream like a banshee for a few days, but such is life. We will put the pup in the crate in the garage if it screams too loud. For those who don't have a garage, we leave a radio on or a TV on or we cover the crate with a sheet or we leave one of the toys that have treats in them in the crate to give the puppy something to do. As time passes, when we have the pup out of the crate, he's going to learn house manners. He's going to learn to be calm in the house. And when that happens, I let him lay at my feet 
on a leash, he'll be tied to the chair by my computer. If he doesn't calm down, if it's one of those puppies that's wild, well, he stays in the crate all the time and we do all of our interaction outside. In the article that I wrote, Who Pets My Puppy?, I explained that I don't allow people to pet or play with my puppy, not even family members in the beginning. The short synopsis of this article is that I want to become the center of the universe for my puppy. I don't want my dog to be looking at other people as a source of praise and fun. I recommend that you take a minute and go to my website and either listen to the podcast or read that article. I want to talk about going through doors and gates here. Going through doors or going through gates or coming downstairs first are huge things in terms of rank with a dog. All dogs, puppies or adults, get excited when it's time to go outside or time to come back in the house. Without training, they will all bolt out the door. This is not only dangerous, it's annoying. Dogs can bolt out the door and run outside and get hit by a car, or worse, run outside and bite someone. So from day one, we control our puppies at the door. They're online, and we always make the puppy sit for food when he's going outside or when he's going to come back inside. In fact, we even make the dog sit when we step outside the door before we turn and close the door. It becomes a pattern for us. The dogs just simply know, okay, I got to go outside. I have to sit before the door comes open. And when we go outside, I have to sit while my master turns around and closes the door. Trust me, this works. Don't underestimate how important this is. Now, let's talk about toys for a second. There is no question that people quickly fall in love with their puppies. Many buy their puppies toys. I just saw one of those reality TV shows in which a lady spent $100 a week buying her dog new toys. Boy, do I wish I could send her a catalog. With that said, we don't leave toys lying around our home. We take the approach that the dog does not own any toys. The toys are my toys, and I allow the puppy to play with my toys. When we are done playing with toys, I always take the toys away from them. Once again, this demonstrates leadership without pressure. It's not domineering, but it makes it very clear that I'm the leader. With little puppies, when the time comes, we try and experiment to find toys that it really likes. Some puppies like one toy or the other. Some like puppy tugs. Sometimes it's an Orby ball. Sometimes it's one of the various dog toys that we sell. When we play with puppies, we always have them on a line. This does two things for us. It stops them from playing keep away, and it conditions the puppy to forget that it's dragging a line around. I explain exactly how to play with puppies in my DVD, Building Drive and Focus, and in your puppy eight weeks to eight months. I'm not going to go into that here, but only to say that through our play, we teach our puppy that we are fair, that we are a fair pack leader. We don't bully him. We don't teach him that if he gives us the toy, that's the end of the game. 
we teach the puppy through play that when they give us the toy, more times than not, the game goes on. It doesn't end. This is accomplished by immediately tossing the toy and starting the game all over again after we've asked him to release the toy. Some people have problems taking toys away from their puppies. After playtime, when it comes time to take the toy away, I say out, or any, you can use any word you want, but that's the word that I use, and I offer to trade the puppy for a small piece of food that it really likes. It takes the food, I get the toy. We let them smell the treat, and when they spit the toy out, they get the food. If we want the game to end at that point, we do a sleight of hand and the toy goes away. It's out of the picture. It disappears. We don't tease the puppy with the toy once we take it away. That's poor leadership. It's counterproductive to a good bond with your puppy. Now, don't confuse this. A lot of people that listen to this may have my DVD on building drive and focus. In that DVD, we show how to build drive by teasing the puppy with a toy But then we teach the dog that if it focuses and controls its drive, the game goes on. But even then, at the end of building drive and focus, the toy has to go away. And that's how we do it in the beginning. With that said, training food for toys is only going to last so long. Many dogs are going to sit there and look at you after a while and say, Oh, no, I know that little trick. I still want to play with this toy, and I'm not trading it for that little hunk of meat. When that happens, we change our approach, and we move on to the second stage of training the dog to release a toy. That training is beyond the scope of this article, and it's covered in my Building, Drive, and Focus DVD. Now, I want to talk a minute about vets and vaccinations in neutering dogs. I've written an article that details our position on vaccinations, and basically it says less is better. If you are a new puppy owner, I strongly suggest that you read the article that I wrote titled Vaccinosis, Do Your Research Before You Vaccinate. It is our opinion that dogs do not need yearly vaccination. This opinion is shared by a growing number of of veterinary universities. There's an article on my website about which universities these are. In our opinion, vaccinations often cause more problems than they cure. We feel vaccinations are a major cause of allergies in dogs. We feel they, along with commercial dog foods, are a leading cause of cancer in dogs. Vaccinations are also the reason why many dogs develop thyroid problems, which lead to aggression problems in dogs. Many times these changes that occur as a result of a vaccination don't occur until months after the vaccination. Many old school vets don't like to talk about these things because a major part of their income comes from yearly vaccinations. Our recommendation is to walk away from a vet who pushes yearly vaccinations. With that said, we only give our puppies two vaccinations. Our vaccinations are given at seven and a half weeks and 11 to 12 weeks of age, and then never again. The vaccines are only parvo and distemper. 
We also give a three-year rabies vaccine because the law forces us to do so. The bottom line on vaccinations is that you need to do your own research and you need to make up your own mind on what you want to do for the health of your dog. Your decisions on vaccination are very important decisions to make, though, so do the research. In closing, I recommend that you use a dog crate and that you keep your puppy tethered in the house until you can control it with a voice command when it's untethered. If you can't call your puppy back to you when it's distracted, then the dog should be on a line. I have a lot more information on training puppies on my website. Every page of my website has a menu bar on the left side of the page, the blue menu bar. There's a section partway down the page titled Training Categories. Within Training Categories, there's a section on puppy training and a section on housebreaking. Those links are to directories of information on articles and training DVDs on those specific subjects in question. Thank you for listening and have a good day.